Quarterback battles, injury news, playoff predictions, and darlings all headlining today's episode of The Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's in the middle of a stormy DFW Metroplex. I'm Mitch Mason, joined as always by the pals, Trey Reeves, Garrett Turney. Fellas, welcome to week zero. We made it. The offseason is well and truly over. We have made it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We get to watch football this weekend, guys. We, we watched a little preseason action last night, but we get to watch the real thing. We get to watch Scott Frost coach for his job across the Atlantic <laughs> in just five days. We, we, we have made it. Hallelujah. Man, exciting times. There were moments there where I didn't think we were going to quite make it, but uh, it's here. We've done it, and uh, I'm I'm proud of everyone in this college football community for getting there. If you're a husband, I tweeted this out, but hopefully you got all your to-dos done this past weekend because yeah, you got to build that rapport. You got to make sure that you're checking in with the wife. I'll, don't put football ahead of your family. Don't hear what I'm not saying, but <laughs> hopefully you did your prep work just like your favorite team is doing their prep work in fall camp. That's right. Uh, the timing, the timing is is crucially important here. Hopefully, and you know, let, let's be honest. It is week zero. There are going to be some some windows, right? Some time slots that, hey, maybe UConn, Utah State isn't your flavor. Maybe you're not that football sicko like we are. And so, you know, maybe maybe that's when you're you're cleaning off the patio or whatnot. But uh, guys, we do have football back this week. Of course, we will have a Week Zero preview coming to you on Thursday, the first of many more to come on this show. But as I let off the top, a lot of things to get to today, and we'll start with news. But before we get there, of course, the housekeeping. Uh, if you have not already followed us, head on over to Instagram or Twitter at 3 Pod. Uh, on both of those platforms. You can also write into the show, 3TechPod at gmail.com. Keep the support coming. Keep letting us know what you want to hear. And also, crucially important to be following us on those platforms for a little bit of news that I'm going to get to at the end of this segment. Uh, You're going to be wanting to pay attention to our socials, uh, some contests, some opportunities to get involved, compete against uh, the, the show hosts. I think you guys are really going to enjoy that. But without any further ado, Trey, we've got some breaking news to get to. Injuries all over the places at big time programs, big time playmakers have gone down. uh, And I don't know if it's unique to this season. It just feels like maybe because of the the injuries all kind of happening basically within a day of each other. A lot of scrimmages. Um, You've got Avery Davis, wide receiver at Notre Dame, done for the year. Isaiah Nair, transfer from Wyoming over the University of Texas, done for the year. JoJo Earl at Alabama, he's going to miss at least the majority of the season, six to eight weeks. And then Sam Hartman, as we talked about on a previous episode, 
out for an extended period of time with an undisclosed non-football related injury. Uh, Garrett, tell me like, again, I don't know if, if how it relates statistically to, to previous seasons, but a lot of big time guys have gone down for, for big time programs that at least were in the running to make some noise in the conference. How do you see these injuries as changing the landscape of college football? Well, you're absolutely right. I don't think it necessarily changes from a you know year to year basis how many guys are getting injured, but it sure seems like it's the guys that matter, right? It seems like there's some really pivotal guys. I mean, obviously Hartman awake that absolutely sucks that he's not going to be able to play, but that was a team that when we were doing previews, we had talked about possibly being able to, you know, see Wake maybe run through, you know, challenge for the conference. Um, and now it doesn't seem like they're going to be nearly as competitive. Uh, some huge playmakers all the way across, um, you know, Avery Davis. I'm really bummed for that. I think Notre Dame was going to need everything they needed to to try to knock off Ohio State week one. And now not having him is just a, a brutal blow. So I don't know. It just seems like, you know, with this many injuries at this many key spots, we're we're not even really getting the season we wanted to. And it hasn't even started. The The other kind of pressing piece of news is the quarterback battles, right? And across the country, teams are finally starting to decide on quarterbacks, whether it's entering week zero or some of them still pressing forward right up until game prep. So you look at the University of Texas, Quinn Ewers named the starter at Texas, at least by the coaching staff. Somebody Uh, named him. It's right. Miles Brennan quits football at LSU when he was informed that he would not be the starting quarterback probably Haynes King at Texas A&M, but that battle's not decided quite yet. Uh, John Reese Plumley just won the job at UCF basically a few minutes before we we hit uh, record there. He beat out uh, incumbent starter Mikey Keene. Jackson Dart, according to all Ole Miss news sources, coming on strong when Luke Altmaier was really supposed to be well and truly out in, in the lead there. Trey, what, what stands out to you uh, amongst all these quarterback battles? Man, that that Ewers decision, I think, is the right one. I think you want to play Ewers and get him going. But goodness, if you were following that on Twitter this weekend, it was a show Um, coming out of Austin. (laughs) Just all the smoke was moving in the direction of Hudson Card. And then all of a sudden, the next day, it's just a complete 180. And now it's Quinn Ewers on a special announcement from a associate communications AD coming from the head coach interrupting a press conference. It was just the most Texas Longhorns way possible to announce a starting quarterback. And I think it's the right decision. I think you want to roll with viewers and make sure that you have a guy, especially as Arch is coming in next year. But goodness, we could have handled that a little bit better if we were the coaching staff in Austin. Uh, Miles Brennan just dropping out of the race, I think is a really... Not not a sad story. I think he definitely has had a lot of good experiences. He got to be part of a national championship team. He got to, you know, play football in Baton Rouge in the SEC. That's definitely something that all of us would dream of doing, right? But just for so long to be considered the guy that's going to be maybe the next Joe Burrow or just even better than Joe Burrow, some people thought. And mm-hmm. never get to have that starting role to himself is just... A little bit of a letdown, but we wish the best for him. I think I've heard that he might be he's staying at LSU probably to finish school is what I had heard. So mm-hmm. good for him on that. Um, I'm really excited about John Reese Plumley 
in a Gus Malzahn offense. I think that is exciting. If you remember, he was kind of a gadget player at Ole Miss, but goodness, he in a Gus Malzahn option power run game offense, I think could be deadly for UCF. Look out for Plumlee, no doubt about it. This was a guy that was fielding punts, fielding kicks, playing some receiver last year when he didn't win the starting quarterback job, of course, over Matt Corral. So he's a guy that can do everything. Also a baseball player, two-way star, a supreme athlete. So I agree. I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You know, as far as the Ewers thing at Texas, like Quinn tweeted out this, it was almost like a teaser trailer a couple days before the announcement and the date, I think it said stay tuned or something like that. And the date was the 18th of August, which is when the quarterback battle was announced that Quinn Ewers would win. So it was obvious that he had been informed ahead of time hey, I'm going to win the starting battle. But, you know, and this brings into, you know, journalistic credibility and, and all these things that I don't want to get in the weeds there, but the there were multiple outlets reporting that Hudson Card was about to be named the starter and all of them immediately took to Twitter to say like, hey, I was told Hudson Card was starting. I did not make this up. This was not smoke that I was trying to stir people up, get clicks. Like I was told that. And it wasn't just you know, one source. It was a couple of different sources from Longhorn Twitter, Longhorn coverage, whatever. So I do think it was a little, a little odd, but at the end of the day, like Quinn Ewers needed to be the starter. Um, He's the most talented quarterback they have. Shout out to Hudson card for sticking around for competing for that battle. University of Texas is his dream school. That's what he always wanted to do. And, you know, he's been given the opportunities. uh, if, If Quinn is as good as advertised, you know, he really didn't have a chance of winning this, but I do still want to give him props for for sticking around and clearly making it a competition. Well, and I want to make the point too, to the credibility of the outlets, it would be a really weird one to make up. Like, I think when all of us saw that on Twitter, we were like, what? It's going to be card? You know, didn't they pay all this money to bring viewers in? Like, isn't this the guy that they thought was going to be the next big deal? And to see, it was a, a lot of even like, you know, Texas favorable media, right, that was reporting on this. And so I, I thought that was really interesting that they would come out with that. I don't think they would make something like that up because I would think as a Texas guy, you would want to pump up the fan base with the new guy that's exciting and not say, yeah, he didn't win the job. It's going to be the guy from last year. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say they're making anything up. I want to give them a little bit of benefit right there that they probably were legitimately told something. Sure. Yeah, it would have been like Urban Meyer with the Jaguars last year announcing Garden, Gardner Minshew as the starter when they went Trevor Lawrence with the 101. Like it just would have been completely out of left field, not something that you would make up. So the point about Hudson Card staying, he and Malik Murphy absolutely both need to stay because the odds that at least one of them is going to get significant time this year i think are pretty high that o-line is still a work in progress they have alabama Mm -hmm. and will anderson week two i'm not predicting an injury i never want to do that but it it it, the pieces are there if you can you know look at the o-line look at the pass rushes that they are going to face this year the odds that one of those two is going to have to step up and get some meaningful reps throughout the season are pretty high right and there's no point in transferring right now anyway right i mean Jarrett Dagey ended up at Troy after transferring away from Western Kentucky. You know, that's its own can of worms. Not only are you now having to come in and learn a brand new offense and try and 
you know, win playing time with less than a week to go before your first game. But it's also kind of a shot at your current roster mates who have built up the rapport, have worked their tails off through fall camp. And then suddenly, you know, it, heaven forbid the coach pick a new transfer, a kid that just arrived on campus to run your offense like that doesn't bode well. So for, for Hudson and Malik, if they do end up transferring, and I don't know if they will or not, I mean, hopefully they, they find, you know, what best situation fits them, whether that's at the university of Texas or, or elsewhere, it definitely makes sense to stay put, to stay engaged and to take whatever opportunities you can. So uh, much more to come on that. And I mean, the other point there is you're going to get some mop up duty, even if, you know, let's say that Quinn's amazing and they blow everyone out all year, you're going to get some mop up duty, which is going to be great film for other coaches to recruit you off of. Mm -hmm. So you're actually getting more reps. You're going to continue to grow as a guy. So um, I'm glad that they're sticking around. Totally agree. All right. Well, the last item of news, and this isn't pertaining to the college football world per se, but it is a very exciting announcement that we have. If you follow us on Twitter, three tech at three tech pod on Twitter, Instagram, you know, I said, stay tuned. Exciting things are in the works and we are just thrilled to announce the creation of the spread option, the three tech pod pick them for this season. We're going to be running this all year long. You're going to have a chance to uh, pick 10 games against the spread uh, during starting in week one. So we'll release one for week zero. It's only going to be five games just as kind of a dip your toe in the water type deal. But from then on out, 10 games against the spread, you'll be competing directly against Trey Garrett and myself, as well as fellow listeners. So ultimately we want to kind of create a little competition, a little bit of a community, the winning uh, entry each and every week will not only earn a shout out on Twitter, but also a shout out on the podcast and then uh, depending on how this goes, there could certainly be a reward at the end of the season. Maybe we give away a trophy, a mini helmet, something like that. More to come on that. But uh, the spread option is the first edition's ready to go. I just have yet to tweet it out. But uh, if you're not already following, go follow and uh, fill that out for us. Have a lot of fun getting to do that. We're excited to talk about it and just kind of follow this all throughout the regular season and uh, give another way for you guys to interact with us. I think it should really be a blast. But uh, with that taken care of, the news addressed, Trey, you've come up with uh, an elaborate point system for an idea that we had. And we've talked about this as an idea through a couple of podcasts, but essentially all three of us sat down and we chose darlings for the season. Three teams that we believe could do something newsworthy, noteworthy, special throughout the regular season. So if you want to go ahead and explain that. Yeah, so you've heard of media darlings before. Maybe the teams that are annoyingly trumpeted throughout the college football season by the media or the really cool storylines that you want to follow. Garrett, Mitch, and I have each chosen our three darlings for this year. And we've come up with a point system for us to compete with each other. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of that. Um on the podcast, but I'll tweet out a graphic and post it on Instagram later this week of what our actual point system is. But essentially we've looked at Vegas over unders and we've each taken a team from three different tiers. So we picked one team with an over under of five and a half or less one team project projected between six and eight wins. And then one team projected between eight and a half and nine and a half wins. So we're not talking about the Alabama's the Ohio States of the world, the Georgia's, we're talking about maybe the next tier down as a max. So without further ado, guys, I introduce you to our darling segment. But 
We will fantastic drop. <laughs> That's a look at. Uh, we we can do it whatever order you guys want. Maybe we want to go lowest tier to highest tier, but each of us will run through our three darlings for this year, and you guys can follow along throughout the year and track these teams with us to see who does the best. Yeah, I think I think lowest to highest uh, makes sense. I'll, I'll start us off here. I've got for my lowest tier team, Texas Tech over under is five and a half now. I'll, I'll be honest. I truly picked with my with my fandom here, right? Like these are teams that I really want to be rooting for this season for one reason or another. Texas Tech, as we've talked about, and I think I did the preview for them, to get to six wins would be nothing short of a miracle. This schedule is horrific this season. But yep. that being said, with new head coach Joey McGuire and the way their schedule sets up in that they have a real chance to – be the thorn in a lot of teams' sides. Their schedule sets up in a way that essentially I think they can catch teams either coming down off big games or right before they go play a better brand-name opponent. Tech's got an explosive offense. They've been working on the defense. Look, I don't know if they're going to get to six wins, uh, but I'm certainly rooting for it. So give me the Texas Tech Red Raiders. I'm going to be locked in all season long. Florida State is my mid-tier team. They're over-under is six and a half. I don't really know why I've locked myself into this because <laughs> nothing is going right uh, down there in Tallahassee right now, recruiting or otherwise. But I just choose to believe that Mike Norvell has a plan. And I think you saw that towards the end of last season, there was a lot of positive steps. The offense figured itself out. The defense kind of found a foothold. They got a pass rush going. If they can continue a lot of those trends, I don't see why Florida State can't win seven, eight games this season. Will it be a stretch? Sure. But I think it's absolutely possible. And in this current point setup, uh, I could be on for big points if they do that. My top tier team, quote unquote, is NC State. Their over under is eight and a half, falling below the ceiling of the nine win games or nine games, I should say, set as the parameter for this. And if you listen to our ACC preview, I've not only got NC State going 11-1, 12-0, but winning the conference. So I, I think that the, the the ceiling is the roof uh, this season for the Wolfpack. <laughs> I love Devin Leary, and I, I really do think that they could make a whole lot of noise. So give me the over on that. I will say also, shout out Fresno State. Uh, if I didn't make it clear enough in the Mountain West preview, I think as a podcast, we might be sleeping on the Bulldogs. So Jake Hayner, I, I see you, buddy. Uh, let's go over there. I just am praying for you as you ride that Florida State bandwagon. I just <laughs> can't imagine willingly choosing that experience for yourself. If you're a Florida State fan and that's your school, like more power to you, especially if you're still a diehard after these last few years. But I know choosing it for yourself, Mitch. I, I do we need to send a welfare check over? Yeah. What are we? What well, are we doing here? I, so listen, I like the choices that you guys have for those mid-tier teams as far as like a more fun fan experience and probably likelihood that they go over a lot more. Um, that being said, I've just I don't I, I don't even know how to explain it to myself. I've been on this like Florida State's going to figure it out. They're going to get things right. They've been so bad for so long. Like you've got to improve. 
normally I don't like to be the early adopter in tech or in sports, but for whatever reason, I've chosen to buy a lot of Florida State stock. So, you know, uh, you, you live by it, you die by it. I, I could absolutely crash and burn with the Knowles, but I've committed to it. So here we are. <laughs> sure seems like it. Um, I'll go ahead and run through mine real quick. So my lowest tier that I'm going to run through for my darling is uh, the Duke Blue Devils. Now, a lot of this had to go into the scoring system. If you hit the over, you get five points here. And Duke's over-under is three and a half. I think there's no way they don't hit that. So um, I'm looking at that. I'm saying you got a pretty easy out of conference. I know you're looking at Kansas like they're world beaters because they beat Texas last year. But I think we can all acknowledge that was kind of lucky. And I don't think that they'll be knocking off the Blue Devils this year. And I think they're going to be able to snag a couple. I think especially with their new coach, Mike Elko, they're going to be able to scheme up some good defensive looks. And I think that they can probably on scheme alone probably win just a couple of games. Uh, looking at my mid-tier team, uh, I've got Kansas State at an over-under at six and a half. Uh, if you guys listen to the Big 12 preview, you know that I picked these guys to go to the Big 12 championship game. I'm standing by that. I think they have a really good season. They've got, I think, the best player in the conference in Deuce Vaughn. I think that this is going to be a really easy run for them. Um, and I think that they're going to be able to kind of do whatever they want to do on the ground throughout the year. Uh, and if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know who my top darling is. My absolute bell of the ball is the Utah Utes. Their over-under is nine. I think they go undefeated. <laughs> I think that they're going to have a real special season. Um, and I think that that's where you want to put your points if you're looking for an over-under. I think nine is way too low for this team. I, I think they could push, possibly, at a worst. But that's where I have him right now. So it's it's such nine a- being way too low, quote unquote. <laughs> way too low for Utah. We might have to clip that later in the season. Uh, it's such a such a shame that Utah qualified for this per Trey's rules. I, I, as soon as I saw that on the run sheet, I was like, "Of course, Utah is his darling here." Of course. What yeah, else are they going to do? Utah's not a surprise. I love the Kansas State pick, Garrett. Um, I do too. I, I think that's a lock to hit the over a little bit more peak behind the curtain. It's our point system is basically based on wins and you get bonus points for hitting the over and some form of championship or playoff appearance. So I like your odds there on, I I like your odds to get your over points on these three teams, but yeah, I mean, of course, yeah. Utah's a darling. And Maybe not loads of points, pick. though, for Duke, because I don't think they win a bunch of games, but I think four is pretty easy for them. So I- I'm going with Duke on that one. I-, I think four is closer to their ceiling, but I, I could definitely see it happen. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'll go- I'll run through mine real quick. Uh, starting at the lower tier, and it's just an absolute insult that this team qualified for my lower tier. Um, Mitch tried to take them from me, but I did not allow it. And it is the Washington State Cougars. Wazoo um, bringing in the tandem of Eric Morris and Cam Ward at offensive coordinator and quarterback up from um, Incarnate Word. And guys, just with a tough or a not tough North division, with all the turmoil last year with Nick Rolovich, they really got behind Jake Dickert and... I don't know. They have a great pass rush on defense. They have should have an explosive offense, maybe the best offense in the North division. There's over under set at five and a half, and I have them as a dark horse division winner. So, of course, I'm going to pick them as my darling team for the lower tier. In the middle tier, I've got the Minnesota Golden Gophers sitting at seven and a half. Another team 
that it would not shock me to win their side of their conference. Uh, Kirk Shiraka coming back. He's going to bring the offensive mojo back. It's been gone since he left for Penn State a couple years ago. They have maybe the oldest team in the country, just laden with six-year and fifth-year seniors, especially Tanner Morgan and Mo Ibrahim. That's a dangerous tandem that's going to be an exciting offense. If they can just find consistency on defense, they should be in contention for that uh, division title towards the end of the year. And last but not least, my upper-tier darling team is the Texas A&M Aggies. And over-under of 8.5, I know the jokes write themselves about 8-4, and four, but if they can just find quarterback play, it's right there for the taking. And I think the quarterback play will be better this year. I don't think, no disrespect to Zach Calzada, I don't think the quarterback play could get much worse than it was last year at times. So <laughs> that defense is still going to be elite. And if they can find a quarterback to be solidly above average to pair with that defense, they're going to be a force in the SEC West. Yeah, as much as I like the picks that I made, I think yours are pretty spot on. I'm a little nervous about Washington State, but I know both of y'all seem to like them, so I guess I'll just ride along with y'all. But no, I think Minnesota's a fantastic call. Seven and a half feels like a slam dunk to me. And then, yeah, you know, eight and four is the joke for the Aggies, but uh, I don't think that that's this year. They're too stacked on defense. They're too stacked pretty much everywhere else. The quarterback's a big if, but I I think they're going to find a way to at least scoot to nine and three. Trey could boat race us if these predictions. That's very true. Happen. I mean, he... I did get to make the point system, so I. <laughs> All right, then know. we're gonna go on record. It's rigged. Okay. It's <laughs> that's right. That's rigged. right. That's I right. Teams. I picked my teams after I made the point system, but yeah. I did create the point system. So, so he uh, says. We'll, we'll spin the narrative in week thirteen when we're down by thirty plus points. <laughs> um, well, from our darlings to our postseason predictions now right and that's the headline of this show that's where where we will spend the remainder of this episode first of all though before we get to our playoff predictions starting with our Heisman Trophy winner and this has been something that we've talked a lot about throughout the previews as we've gone through some of these uh, teams that are in contention whether it be for a New Year's Six Bowl or the college football playoff as a whole, we've kind of identified those top tier players that we expect could have their names called uh, in in New York come the postseason. Garrett, we'll start with you. You're picking a guy today, August 21st, the year of our Lord, 2022. Who wins the Heisman Memorial Trophy? Well, I've always been told not to overthink it. So I'm going to CJ Stroud. Uh, Look, he's probably the best player in the country just in terms of sheer talent. Um, But in terms of what he's going to have to do, I think he's going to have to put up some big numbers because there's some really good teams in the Big Ten this year. Uh, You know, when you think about Michigan going to try to re-challenge them again, Michigan State not falling too far behind, Penn State making another rise. C.J. Stroud is going to have to be fantastic this year, and I think he's going to have no issue. He's got studs to throw the ball to. He's going to pass it around. I think he throws for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. And I think he runs away with this thing. Bailey Zappi over here, up in up in no Columbus. No problem for CJ Stroud, baby. He's low low key. He's gonna have to to put up those kind of numbers because that defense could be kind of shaky. I know they've got Jim Knowles, but goodness, they they've got so much to replace in the secondary. They've got to find new pass rushers. They they could need to win some shootouts. But and there's I, some good I agree. offenses in the Big Ten. There's some really slept on offenses in the Big Ten. And he's going to have, 
he's going to have plenty of opportunities for showcase games too, because mm-hmm. Ohio State does have a sneaky, difficult schedule. Starting with week one, they're the national game of the week against Notre Dame. And then they put, I think they catch Iowa and Wisconsin from the West in the regular season. So lots of opportunities to be in that big noon kickoff or a Saturday night primetime game. Yeah, no doubt. For my Heisman pick, and I, I don't know where to place this in the realm of kind of uh, reality, potential. I'm going with Bijan Mustardson or Dijon Robinson, however you would like to call him. Bijan Robinson, the starting running back for the Texas Longhorns. Look, if Texas can achieve better than average this season, which I think average for the Longhorns would be seven and five, eight and four. That's where a lot of people have them going in their projections, unless you're Colin Cowherd and then you put them at like 11 and one. Um, If Texas goes nine and three, 10 and two or better, I think it's going to be yes on the arm of Quinn Ewers. But I think also because B. John Robinson is the best player on the field down there. I think he's going to do something really special, whether it's touchdown totals, total yards, et cetera, passes out of the backfield. You combine a resurgent Texas program with the propensity for the media, obviously, to crown the Longhorns as a media darling. I mean, they're one of the blue blood programs in college football. They've been waiting for them to come back to relevance for so long. I think there's going to be kind of an overwhelming tidal wave of support for Bijan, who will be seen as the guy who lifted this program up from a five and seven season. Now look at them. They've gone nine and three, 10 and two, whatever it is. I just tend to think maybe he's the guy that could split votes that could get the nod. Um, and so, you know, I don't know if that's the, the trendy pick. I don't know if that's the smart pick right now, but uh, I, I gotta say uh, he's got some sweet NIL deals going on right now. And Bijan that, Mustardson sure. may be the best one I've ever heard. The only thing that concerns me about rolling with Bijan or even putting a bet on Bijan, it's not the talent, it's not his usage, but if Texas is where they would have to be for Bijan to be considered, I think more of those votes are going to go to Quinn. Sure. Unless he's just absolutely a liability on the field and <laughs> he's a game manager, bus driver. Sure. Um, and it's really Bijan's offense, which... I just don't see them being able to get over that hump where Bijan would be considered without Quinn being elite. So that's my only concern with picking Bijan. So you hear about Heisman moments. Where is Bijan's Heisman moment, do you think? If he ends up winning it, like is it Red River rivalry? He scores a bunch. Is it, you know, in a championship game possibly? Like where do you think this Heisman moment comes? Yeah, so I'll pull up Texas's schedule as quickly as I can while I talk. Um, I, I think it starts probably against Alabama. They've got to find some way to be competitive, and if Bijan can run on what should be a scary, beyond scary pass rush and defensive front from the Crimson Tide, I think that's where you start to pick up some hype, even though they're probably going to lose that game at home. Uh, I do think that without a doubt, the Red River rivalry has to be a statement. Not only does Texas just need to win that game after the last couple of years, but I think that's truly where we start to to see things get rolling. And then late in the season, whether it's Baylor, Oklahoma State, if they're in the running maybe for a Big 12 title appearance, I think that's when you start to see it. I realize that this is 
as far as steps needed to get Bijan to hoist the trophy at the end of the year, there are way more steps needed than a C.J. Stroud, than a Bryce Young, whoever you might name if it's a top-level quarterback, and to Trey's point, even than Quinn Ewers. Like, Quinn is probably going to be the favorite, quote-unquote, if a Longhorn does win it, uh, just because he is the quarterback and the Heisman Trophy has been turned into, you know, the, the best quarterback of the year award more, more times than not. So I agree with all of that. I, I don't, I don't know. I've got a, I've got a feeling though. Like if, if the Longhorns decide to do something special this year, I think Bijan's going to be a massive part of it. And like I said, I think that media hype just wanting to anoint Bijan is kind of the next great Texas running back. Right. I mean, they've got such a line of royalty on the 40 acres when it comes to the halfback. I think Bijan belongs uh, in, in the same conversation with those names. Yeah, he's certainly talented enough. I was just kind of wondering where you thought that would line up, you know, because you got to have like the play strike the Heisman. You know, you might want to see him like truck a guy, you know, something like that. So yeah. I was just wondering where you thought that might be. I think it's going to be a walk off touchdown in that revenge game in Lawrence uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving. <laughs> hey, that, that would be huge. That'd be huge for him. <laughs> put it put it on the montage for years to come. Strike the Heisman uh, pose at the end. That's right, Trey. We got two of them down. Your Heisman Trophy contender, maybe another guy that uh, that is slipping under the radar a little bit. So I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction with this. If you ask me, who's going to win the Heisman? I think Garrett has the right guy. I do think it would be CJ Stroud, but CJ Stroud was already taken by the time that I started filling out my picks. So I'm going to go a little bit more under the radar and maybe talk about this more from a betting standpoint or an investment standpoint. If you're looking to buy a guy low right now, preseason that actually has a decent chance of winning the Heisman, you could look at your Will Andersons. Maybe a defensive player wins the Heisman for the first time. I doubt it. Um, you could also look at Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Alabama. But again, it's the same issue with we were talking about with B. John Robinson, where if Alabama is just torching everybody, maybe the media doesn't want to give Bryce Young back to back Heisman's. But I think they would get over that and give it to Bryce Young if it's just that clear and obvious. So I'm going to go off the beaten path and give you a guy that you can get as low as 80 to one right now. And that's NC State's Devin Leary, um, the quarterback. Quarterback. We've really hyped up the Wolfpack on this show. Um, they were Mitch's darling team, like he talked about earlier. And for all the reasons that he said, they could be a team that crashes the playoff this year legitimately. Um, if they run through their division in the ACC, they get through Clemson, they get through Miami in the ACC championship game, Devin Leary is going to be right there because he's going to put up big numbers. He's going to have to if they're on that stage. So, more of an investment pick. Um, I don't think you will be able to get him that low by the midpoint of the season. So if you're just looking for a dark horse that could maybe pay off big. Uh, I think it's FanDuel that has Devin Leary as low as plus 8,000 right now. FanDuel, not a sponsor, could be. Um, I, love I, I, I love that pick. Dave, Dave Dorn has, has said publicly that Devin Leary may be the most talented quarterback he's ever worked with. And Dave Dorn has worked with a lot of really talented QBs throughout his career. So yeah, if you look back at our previews and how high we are on the Wolfpack, especially now with Wake Forest losing Sam Hartman for, you know, a questionable amount of time, NC state could legitimately be one of the favorites outside of Clemson and Miami 
to win the entire conference. And if they do, it's going to be off the arm of Devin Leary. So they put together something special like their baseball team did a couple of seasons ago. I I could very, (laughs) very easily see Devin getting the nod there. So I think that's a tremendous pick. Yeah, I wish you could uh, find odds of just making it to New York because I think he's got a really good chance of making it to the Heisman finalist uh, presentation just on numbers alone. But yeah, yeah, I I mean, I I could see him just having a really historic season this year. Yeah. Well, all right. So Heisman's write them down, keep us accountable, tweet us who your Heisman pick is or DM us uh, Instagram and Twitter again, three tech pod on either of those social platforms. Guys, let's move into the final segment of this, what we've all been waiting for, the playoff predictions for the 2022 season. It's so difficult to try and predict all of the beautiful, beautiful chaos that happens in a college football season, and yet we're trying to do exactly that, to whittle it down to four teams who will then take up our New Year's Eve plans and eventually crown a national champion. We've obviously got similar teams throughout uh, these three sets of predictions. So Garrett, you've got one of the more unique playoffs. I think that you would see whether you read preview magazines, whether you listen to other podcasts. So I'm going to let you lead it off. Trey, I want you to go next and then I'll kind of wrap it up and, and, and put a bow on this. But Garrett, if you would uh, go through those four playoff teams, especially your three and four seeds. Yeah, so um, this one, I had to kind of think with my head, not my heart, okay? And I also want to be clear, I don't think that these are the best four teams. I don't think these are the teams that will be most, like, deserving in terms of on-the-field production. But I do think that based on what we've seen the playoff committee do, these are the four teams that make it in. So my number one seed is Ohio State. I think that they're going to open the poll as the number one, and I don't think they give it back. By that point in the season, I think they'll have a better resume knocking off Notre Dame, and I think that they'll just be looking a lot better in terms of the the performances they have to give. Uh, so I think that they open up as the number one. I'm putting Bama at my number two. They're going to be undefeated. They're going to be very good, but they're going to probably have a little bit tougher games up to that point against a Texas or a Texas A&M. Um, I can't remember if they play Arkansas by the time that first poll come out, but I think that they'll have some tougher games where they look a little bit weaker as opposed to, I think Ohio state's going to start rolling through some of this schedule. So I've got Ohio state and Bama at one and two. I think there's a big gap in terms of the talent from two to three. My three seed is going to be the undefeated Utah Utes. Okay. Now I've been on Utah. I just said, they're my darling. I I don't think this is hard for me. I think they're going to have a little bit of a tricky schedule getting through. They're certainly not a perfect team lacking maybe a little bit of explosiveness in terms of the pass game, but I think they're going to have no issue walking through their schedule um, and doing what they need to do to be undefeated, win that conference, um, especially with all the experience they have coming back. My number four, a little bit controversial maybe, I'm picking the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Now, let me explain why. I think when you're looking around the country at teams that will be in that position, I think all of them will just kind of be left out and Oklahoma State kind of just scoots in as the default. I think Notre Dame probably finishes the year with two losses. I I think that there's no way they really get out any better than 10 and two. So I'm not going to pick them. Georgia, I think is going to be a one loss non-conference championship team. I think that Oklahoma state finishes with one loss, but the conference championship. And I think the committee will value that. 
And then I think the ACC gets left out. I think their champions a two loss Miami. And so I don't think the ACC gets a team just because their champion will be a two loss team. So when I'm looking around, I'm picking the best team in the big 10, best team in the SEC, best team in the pack. And then I'm looking around at the rest of it saying who really fits there. It's going to be my one loss conference champion, Oklahoma state Cowboys. So you've got Oklahoma state only losing one game. Yes. Yeah, that would that would be a really interesting comparison with them. And I'm assuming Georgia, Georgia's one loss being in that conference championship yep. game, and that's what knocks them out. Yeah, that, that would be. I think there's a really good chance. I think you see Georgia at four, Oklahoma State at five, going into that last weekend, and then watching Oklahoma State win their conference championship, and then Georgia lose it, just switches the spots. Mm, that would be fascinating to That'd see be what crazy. the committee did in that scenario if georgia was sitting at four then yeah i think they're out but if they're at three do they drop all the way to five and have oklahoma state leapfrog them i don't know it, it in would be my scenario i don't think they'll be at three i think utah will stay at three the whole year gotcha gotcha yep Trey, uh, I mean, I love the defense, Garrett. I, I love a little little spice of life here, a little variety. I don't think a lot of people have the, the, the pokes, especially with how much they have to replace on defense going to the playoff. But as we talked about Big 12 wide open, yep. you get Spencer Sanders in a rhythm. That offense will absolutely produce. And there's a, there's a lot of talent on defense with Derek Mason now taking over to where yeah, I mean, you can see Oklahoma State going on a run like they did last year, and who knows? They were literally inches away from the playoff in 2021. Yep. Who's to say they couldn't convert on that this year? They're, they're just a couple inches away. Like That's the point I was making back when we did our Big 12 preview. They were just a couple of inches away last time. They're going to find those inches. You know, they, they lost some guys, but they're replacing some of those guys, especially Jalen Warren at running back, with some real talent. Like they're replacing with some real talent, so I'm I'm really optimistic on what the uh, what the Cowboys can do this year. Trey, you're up. Uh, give us your slate of four teams here. All right. Well, mine's not going to be as spicy as Garrett's, but maybe one of these teams is spicy at least to this podcast. I'll go Ohio State taking down the number one spot. I think they're just going to be must see TV. That offense is going to be explosive mm-hmm. this year. Alabama can go undefeated as well. I think both of those two teams will finish the regular season undefeated. I'll skip over my number three for a big reveal in just a second. But at fourth, I'll have Georgia hanging on to that playoff spot. Um, Oklahoma State, definitely a possibility. I see Utah dropping a game somewhere. So they're probably just on the wrong side of the bubble, um, even if Georgia loses that game. I also have AM on the bubble and maybe um, an Oklahoma State or um, a Big Ten West champion if they have one loss. My number three team that sneaks into the playoff because I think a lot of the country is sleeping on them because of all that what happened this offseason is the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, program with a lot of pedigree. I know they have a new coach. I know they have a whole bunch of new players, a new quarterback. But, guys, Dylan Gabriel is not a bad quarterback. He has a very good chance to be the top quarterback in the big 12. They have talent. They have, he has guys to throw to. They don't have, they have their red flags as does every team in the big 12. I don't think they have as many red flags as some of the other title contenders in that conference. So 
I'm going to roll with the Sooners and I'm going to say that they get back to the playoff and it's a year that they're probably not expecting to. I I can certainly see that happening. There are so, like you said, a lot of people sleep at the wheel when it comes to the Sooners. I'm one of them. I, I don't think they're going to be bad this year. I look, I looked back at our projections, Trey, you've got them in 11 and one. And then assuming that's a big 12 conference championship, uh, Garrett and I both have them going 10 and two. So, I mean, it's not like, we have these as lost seasons over here. Um, I, I think for me, so many new faces on this Oklahoma team, it's 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 very hard to project what you're gonna get on the defensive side. And you're I mean, you're right, Dylan Gabriel's not a bad quarterback. We just didn't get to see much of him last year because he goes down in, in game three against Louisville. So but he's he's reunited with Jeff Levy. I think if this offensive line can give him time to protect, of course he's got weapons on the outside. Of course they're gonna run the football well. They, they have the pedigree to be the most dominant team in the Big 12. And if that's the case, I can absolutely see, especially if Utah, uh, you know, whoever comes out of the ACC slips up, I can absolutely see Oklahoma winning the Big 12 title and making it into the playoff. Well, and no shade to Oklahoma State. We talk about them being an inch away from the playoff last year. Oklahoma could have buried their chances a week before if they would have <laughs> held on to that Bedlam game. So... Obviously, they didn't, and that's why Oklahoma State got the shot at the playoff. But Oklahoma was right there last year in a quote-unquote down year where mm-hmm. they had quarterback turmoil. They start a freshman for most of the year. So lots of new, lots of unknown, but I like the Sooners' chances. Yeah, my only reason I can't go Oklahoma here is I just don't believe in the chemistry. There's just so many new faces. You really got to watch and see, like, how are these guys playing together? Can they get it figured out early enough? Now, a lot of their games, fortunately for them, they're going to be playing the tough games towards the end. But at the same time, you know, they still have to figure this out. And, you know, a slip up, a loss, you know, a down performance, even in a win could start to break the locker room a little bit. I'm not saying this is going to be a terrible situation. I think long term, the Sooners are going to be just fine. I just don't know that in year one, they have the culture established quite yet. For my four playoff picks, we'll start at the top. Bama's going to Bama. Uh, I've just come to realize it's a big financial mistake to bet against a ticked-off Nick Saban, and that's what he is coming into 2022. Last year was a, quote, rebuilding year. Um, so I, I think this year they flex their muscle on some people. The secondary is a little bit of a question mark. We talked about Eli Ricks in the preview Apparently, he just doesn't totally grasp the defense yet. So a lot of talent, but if he doesn't know the schematics, then uh, you're kind of flying blind back there. So the the secondary, the big question for Alabama, Ohio State's going to put up a million points this year. I've got them as the two seed. My three and four seed, I had Georgia in here originally, and then I looked back at my predictions and realized, wait a minute, I can't do that. Georgia has to be out (laughs) if NC State – goes 12-0 and and wins a conference championship, which I've got Ooh. them predicted to do. So they're my three seed. And Utah goes 12-0 and and wins a conference championship. So I've got Alabama, Ohio State, NC State, and Utah, which would be the first time, I believe, since the original playoff, that two new teams burst onto the playoff scene. Now, I realize I'm calling for some history here, and I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but the way I've drawn up my predictions and the way that I look at the schedule, how everything sets up, I just think NC State is going to kind of crash through that glass ceiling this year. I don't believe in the Clemson quarterback situation, so I can't pick them. I don't believe that Miami is anywhere close 
to being one of the top teams in the country, despite what a lot of you know media hype is, is telling you. I just think they've got too many pieces offensively tackling in the secondary to truly be a national title contender. And then very, you know, similarly to what Garrett has said all offseason along with Utah, I just think if they get the right breaks, this is the most physical team in the Pac-12. And if they can rise to the occasion week in and week out, there's no reason why they can't run the table other than maybe they don't have the four and five stars that you look for in a traditional playoff power. So, you know, maybe some edgier picks there, but I feel really good at least about the thought process behind it kind of my own personal rubric, if you will. And so, you know, if the grades pan out, I think you could easily see three, if not four of those teams in the playoff. Now, the national championship may not be nearly as spicy and we'll turn right back around for for our national championship predictions. Guys, like I said, off the top, betting against Nick Saban is just a bad, a bad omen. It's, it's something that it will not reward you in the long run. I think the Alabama Crimson Tide hold it down. They win the 2022 National Championship. Uh, well, good for me for picking the only team not wearing red among all of our playoff teams. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, I'm certainly not going to pick Oklahoma State to win. Um, no, I think this year is Ohio State's year. Um, I think after having a down season last year, they're going to come out. The offense is just lethal. And I think that you could see them winning a lot of shootouts. And I think that's exactly what they're going to do over the Crimson Tide in the championship game, I think you could see scores even as high as like 50 in that game. Um, but I just, I think it's going to end up being something that Ohio state wins. It'll be a thrilling championship game. And I think we'll talk about it for years. Yeah. I'll ditto what Garrett said. I'll take the Buckeyes to spoil Nick Saban's revenge tour um, in the final game of the season. I think it's going to be an absolutely electric game. I couldn't agree more um, too much offensive firepower. Ohio State. Bama has offensive firepower too. I just think Ryan Day finally gets over the hump this year. I, I love how despite our different playoff predictions, we all have the exact same national championship yep. game. Yep. Obviously, I'm taking a different outcome than you guys are. I, I don't want to start this debate entirely, but in like two sentences, does this season confirm that four teams is the best solution or confirm that, Hey, we probably need to expand this. I think it's an expansion season and I know we want to be brief, but (laughs) picking my last two teams, like it was Ohio state, Alabama, and those are clearly the top two teams. But after that, there were so many teams that I considered for three and four that I think are deserving of a shot in a bigger expanded playoff. Never mind the fact that that would just be way more fun. But yeah, I, I think it's a year that we look at a couple teams and say, yeah, they could have deserved a shot and they just didn't have the right set of circumstances. Yeah. To be clear, I think expansion is the correct answer to what should we do with the playoff. But I think, unfortunately, this year is actually going to confirm that the BCS was the correct model just because the top two teams are infinitely better than the next teams after him. So I'm not saying BCS was the right model, but if you're just going to look to this year, there's two teams and then there's the rest of college football. Sure. I think George is right there. I think the only reason why we don't have them in the playoff is probably because you've got either uh, undefeated teams that are taking that, that space or a conference, a one loss conference champion like Oklahoma that you can't justify putting Georgia in 
over. Mm-hmm. So I think Georgia might be the third best team in the country. I don't think that's a stretch to say that no, at all. No, I think just based off of how everything ends up at the end of the season, they could get left out. Now, that being said, if Georgia goes into the SEC championship game undefeated and you don't have an undefeated Utah, you don't have an undefeated ACC champion, I, I think it's kind of same song, different verse, where you just have Alabama, Georgia, run it run it back, right? Yeah. So, yeah, anyway. I think I think that's the situation that I have mapped out just because it's really, really difficult to go undefeated and yeah. even have one loss in a power five schedule. And yes. if you don't have the talent level that an Alabama or an Ohio State or a Georgia has, it's almost impossible to pull that off. So that just usually leaves you with a lot of teams with one, maybe even two losses that would be really entertaining games against Alabama or Ohio state, but just get left out because we cut it at four teams. No doubt. And and that there's a chance (laughs) that Trey's Trey is saying is certainly the more likely scenario. And I completely agree with all these being less fun. I'm being less fun. (laughs) Well, and so like, I want to make that delineation, like my picks and same that I did with the darlings. Like I'm picking kind of with my heart, uh, you know, I made a case for a 12 and 0 NC State. Is it anywhere remotely likely that NC State goes 12 and 0? Of course not. Is it is it really likely that Utah goes 12 and 0? No. The percentages would say no. Sure. But when you know, as we sit here in the preseason and we only have so much information to digest and go over, you know, we we want to be transparent that hey yeah like are we gonna get everything right no of course not but it's a lot more fun when you're talking about a 12 and 0 utah and you know a 12 and 0 nc state than what every other you know xm radio show is talking about where it's alabama georgia is that probably the most likely scenario of course it is that those are two of the three best teams in the country and i had almost an identical playoff prediction to to trey up until we started recording this show um, but uh, you know, we're a podcast. We get to have a little spice. We get to have a little, some, some different takes some some disagreements. So anyway, it's, it's going to be a ton of fun to watch how everything transpires and, uh, and turns out. I need to join in on the spice maybe a little bit more. Cause I really don't want to be the Ari Wasserman. Of this <laughs> podcast, so. um, Is that you asking for an application to the Utah bandwagon? Because it's I'm not, I'm warm. not on the Utah bandwagon. I'm on the Utah to the Rose bowl hype train. Or fill it up. Dude. Hey, if, I, will, if, I will keep your spot warm, Trey. If the consolation prize is Utah goes back to the Rose bowl and gets to bust out those icy white uniforms again then sign me up those 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 might have been those those utah rose bowl helmets might have been the slickest alternate helmets i've ever seen they were so crisp so uh anyway all that to say a lot to look forward to guys that's uh that's a wrap on our prediction show playoff predictions uh darlings for the season our heisman predictions as well we're so excited to get this rolling and everybody the, the very next episode is our first week zero preview we get to actually talk about real games albeit like seven of them but it's more than what we've been talking about so far (laughs) we're amped for it we're of course going to have a recap show on the other side of every single game weekend and as we've kept saying all year follow us on social media not just because it raises our numbers and helps the algorithm it helps other people find the podcast but we have so much content planned 
to interact with you guys. We want to host Twitter spaces on game day. We want to do Instagram lives on game day. We're following, you know, Sunday afternoon before, after the podcast to talk ball with you guys. So if you want to be a part of that, you're new to the show, welcome aboard. Follow us on social media. Uh, you'll be able to see the weekly pick the spread option link that will go out each and every week. You can compete against us, against other listeners um, for you know acclaim, prizes, what have you. So we're really excited to get this going. Guys, we get to play football very, very shortly. Ooh, or, that's right. <laughs> so close, we can literally taste the tailgating food. For Trey Reeves, for Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for riding with us. Until next time, so long, everybody. Hey!